0: In your Bibles tonight, we're looking and working our way through the book of Revelation. We find ourselves in Revelation chapter number 2, and we're on the fourth of seven churches. The message uh, from God through the angel, the pastor of the seven churches of Asia. When we come to these second and third chapters of the book of Revelation, it is uh, the most relevant to the moment in which we live. Because the second and third chapter is... Uh, is addressing the church, the churches that were literally there in Turkey, Asia, and uh, they were literally functioning and doing the work of churches, and they were they had positives and negatives, and God wanted them to repent and get things right, and uh, they're representative. Each of these churches, I believe, has uh, commendable things that we need to be like, and negative things that we need to be warned against, and be striving to be. To not allow in our church, and we study these, and it's a great, great study, and so helpful. Tonight we're looking at the church at Thyatira, at uh, the church at Thyatira, and tonight's message is titled "This Thyatira, Tolerating the Intolerable." Tolerating the intolerable, and I'm going to read the whole chat the uh, the whole section to you, but I want you to look at verse number twenty because I think it'll help you to begin to understand. The Bible says in verse 20 notwithstanding I have a few things against thee because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel which called herself a prophetess to teach and to seduce my servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. The word sufferest you see that? I have a few things against thee because thou sufferest. That word sufferest means to allow, to tolerate, to accept. And the church at Thyatira was the tolerant church, the lax church, the tolerant church, that was tolerating the intolerable? They were tolerating things that God deemed sin. And there's a lot to be learned from the church at Thyatira. May the Lord help us. If you look with me, begin reading in verse 18. Our text tonight goes to the end of the chapter. The Bible says in verse 18 of Revelation 2, And unto the angel of the church in Thyatira write, These things saith the Son of God, who hath his eyes like unto a flame of fire, and his feet are like fine brass. I know thy works, and charity, and service, and faith, and thy patience, and thy works, and the last, to be more than the first. Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee. Because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess to teach and to seduce my servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. And I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. Behold, I will cast her into a bed, and then that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. And I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he which searcheth the reins and hearts. And I will give unto every one of you according to your works. But unto you I say, and unto the rest in Thyatira, as many as have not this doctrine, and which have not known the depths of Satan as they speak, I will put on you none other burden, but that which ye have already, hold fast till I come. And he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron, as the vessels of a potter, shall they be broken to shivers, even as I received of my father, and I will give him the morning star. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. We come to this passage of Scripture, Thyatira, their sin was tolerating the intolerable. May the Lord teach us some things about the church and the church that we see in our society and the church that we are, may the Lord help us to be the kind of Christians who in love speak the truth, who stand against sin and up for righteousness and have the spirit of Christ as we do the work of God as the church, the body of Christ, the church of Thyatira. Let's consider number one, their God. Verse number 18 describes their God. Each of these churches, God describes himself in a unique way. and In verse 18, the Lord describes himself this way. The Bible says, and under the angel of the church in Thyatira, I write, These things saith the Son of God. This is the only time that uh, the Lord refers to himself as the Son of God. And I'm not exactly certain of all the significance of being referred to as the Son of God. The one commentator I read said that Thyatira was notorious for worshiping the Son God, and they believe that perhaps he called himself the Son of God because. They're worshiping the sun God. I had a problem with that because the sun God was spelled S-U-N. The son of God is S-O-N, so I'm not sure that's right, but whatever. Son of God. I'll tell you what does come to mind. Most famous place in the Bible that I can remember where the son of God is mentioned is our favorite verse, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life when I read this and I think about the sin of the church of Thyatira and their lax, tolerant spirit against sin and the very things that God sent his own son to die to pay the price for, I'm reminded of how important it is that God's people say no to sin and yes to God. He says, I am the son of God. I'm so thankful for that. There God, it continues, the Bible says in verse number 18, These things saith the Son of God, who hath his eyes like unto a flame of fire, and his feet are like fine brass. These are two fascinating statements. God describes himself as having eyes as a flame of fire. Have you ever been around somebody that could just look at you and you felt guilty because you knew down deep inside that that person knew that you're doing something wrong? I have experienced this on several occasions in my life. And one of the most memorable was my mother. She had eyes. The Bible describes her here in verse 18. Who hath eyes like unto a flame of fire. And uh, my wife got those eyes too. Uh, But I remember one time as a teenager. I was actually trying to sneak in the house with something that wasn't good. And I knew my mom didn't want me to have. I'm not going to tell you what it was. But I'll remind you I was a teenager once. And as I was trying to slip in the house It's one of those moments where you hope The way our house was set up You came in the garage and you came through the laundry room As you walk through the laundry room You're looking straight in the kitchen It's one of those moments as a teenager You hope mom is not in the kitchen But she was I walked in, I saw her and I went, ducked my head right left to my room And uh, what are you doing? Nothing Cody, come here And I said, what? Wrong answer I walked in back in the kitchen. Her eyes, a flame of fire, pierced to the core of my soul. And I knew that I'd been caught. I was guilty. And I repented of my sin. She I mean, just kidding. She forgave me. It was good. The Bible tells us that God had these eyes as a flame of fire. And the message that we need to know is that God sees what other men, what folks don't see, God sees into the depths of our soul. And God knows what's right and wrong and good and bad. And You remember something, then God knows. And God sees and understands and he's going to deal with sin. Because the Bible says he has eyes like a flame of fire. And then the Bible says he has feet. What's it say, verse number 18? And his feet are like fine brass. When we read and study about feet of brass, well, we understand in the Bible that there's great emphasis on the judgment of God and the punishment, and the crushing, and the wrath of these feet of brass. And I only understand something. God wants us to know something that our sin is a sin against His Son. God wants us to know something that our sin will be found out and saw and seen and understood and known by God. And in brass feet, God will punish our sin. It's true. They're God. Now look, God is not mean. God is righteous. And God deals with sin. Why does God put such an emphasis in our lives and in the lives of his people and our churches on righteousness and holiness and purity and yes to him and no to sin? Why? Because he wants to rob us of all the fun. No. Because God knows that sin leads to great difficulty, punishment, death and worse. God, they're God. Number two, they're good. Now, the Bible gives some credibility to the church at Thyatira and says, here's some things that we commend you for. These are good things. But as we look at the goods, the good is actually going to be something that's overemphasized to the neglect of the best. The Bible, their goods. Let's look at it. Here's what he says, verse number 19. I know thy works, thy works, and charity, and service, and faith, and thy patience, and thy works. And the last be more than the first. The first thing they mention is their works. Now these works are good. This church at Thyatira, they were a working people. They had a mind to work. They were doing, doing, doing. They were active in their community. They were doing the work. That doesn't, that's not all. The Bible says, I know thy works. And charity. Now this is fascinating. The Lord gives credit to the fact that the church at Thyatira was a loving people. You remember the church? I think it was the church at Ephesus earlier in our study. The church that they'd left their first love, the very first church we looked at. You remember they'd left their first love? Now that church, they were dogmatic, and they were rock hard on their doctrine, and they didn't allow sin and they didn't allow wickedness and they were they were tough. And God commended them for it. They hated the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. And God commended them for it. But he says, You've left your first love. You've lost your love. But this church. They had bleeding hearts of love and charity, but they were not doctrinally sound. And the Lord says, whoa, we got a problem. But he says, I appreciate your charity and service. You see the word service? The word service would have been almost like a form of evangelism. It was the a, a service to other people. They were, they were trying to invest in other people. They were trying to recruit other people. They are trying to build the church, their service. He says, I commend you. Your service is good. And serving the Lord and serving other people is very good service and faith. He said, these folks believe. They have, they have deep faith and conviction. They believe. And thy patience. That word patience is a great word. It's long-suffering, continuing, and keeping it up, sticking with the stuff, staying faithful. He says, I, I appreciate your patience. And then look what he says next? And thy works. And thy works. Didn't he already say that? So when I study a verse of Scripture like this and I find the same word repeated twice sometimes in the original language, it'll be two different words that have a little different nuance or they have a little different ideas. But in this passage of Scripture, it's the exact same word, said exactly the same way. And then there's another emphasis. Now I'm going to see this. We've got a list. The list is works, charity, service, faith, patience, and works. There's six things in the list. What's the first thing in the list? Number one, works. All right. What's the number six thing? The last thing on the list, works. And so here's what the Bible says. It's kind of fun. You can almost, its almost, no, I wouldn't say that the Lord is speaking tongue in cheek, but the Lord is making an emphasis and an overemphasis and using a, a, a way to emphasize something. He says, "He says, I'm telling you that you've done good in your works, your charity, service, faith, patience, and works. He says, and by the way, the last to be more than the first. The last is better than the first. He says, he says not only are you working, but you're working, working, working you know what this church was? They were working people. This was the kind of church you'd look at like, wow, they got a lot going on. And the Bible says that they were serving, they were were lovable, they were loving, they were hardworking, patient, they had faith and conviction. These were faithful, hardworking people who were interested in their church doing well. and They're good. They were, they were pretty good people. Like they cared about when people were hungry. and They cared about when folks did clothing. That They cared. They were the kind of people that said, you know what? We don't care how you look. We want you in our church. And I think that's good. We don't care how you smell. We want you in our church. We don't care how rotten your past has been. We want you in our church, in our body. We want you with us. These are the kind of people that we should strive to be in so many ways. They're good. They were workers. You know, I want you to understand something. The Lord said these folks were workers. They're great. But I want you to forget something. We do not work, work, work in order to please God. Some folks have been taught a falsehood that if you're not working for Jesus all the time, working, 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 if you're not... Wore out all the time working for Jesus. You're not Christian. You're not spiritual. And I hate it because there's a lot of Christian people who can't rest because they think if they're resting, they're sinning, which is a lie. You know, God in creation told us, his people, that we should rest. He calls it a Sabbath. One-seventh of our time should be rest. I'm trying to learn that principle. I need to do better sometimes. Sometimes. Work, work, work. Let me tell you something. If you work in the cause of Christ and neglect your family, you're not doing the work of God. If you work in the work of a ministry and you hurt folks because of the way you do it, you're not doing the work of God. And busyness is not spiritual. We should be busy for the Lord. We should work. And God says, I know your works. I know your works. I commend your works. You're working. You're working. And I'm just telling you, your working's better than your working. He said, He said, the license is better than the first. Work, work, work. Y'all are workers. And that's good and fine. But I'm afraid that their work and their activity had caused them to get to a place where they were not looking to God in God's direction and they were becoming permissive to sin. They're God, they're good, number two. Number three, they're sin. Number three, they're sin. Look what the Bible says in verse number 20, notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee. Because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my servants, to commit fornication, and to eat things sacrificed unto all. Idols, he says. He says, "All right, those are good things, but I want you to know something. I have something against thee. Thou sufferest, you allow, you tolerate, you permit that woman Jezebel." Now it's kind of interesting. They call her Jezebel. Now, evidently, in the church at Thyatira, there was a lady that had risen in power and prominence in the church. So much so that she had been uh, teaching and seducing the church to do things that were wicked and wrong. And the Lord, instead of calling her by name, calls her by the name of a Bible character named Jezebel. How many of you ever met a child or a family that named their little girl Jezebel? Anybody? Don't raise your hand. You'd never do that because of the Negative connotation with the name Jezebel, and so quite frankly, I believe the Lord looked down on this woman, the prophet, the woman who called herself a prophet in the church at Thyatira, and literally says that Jezebel. Her name is—I'm calling her Jezebel. I'm not going to even tell everybody her name because I don't want to produce, I don't want to uh, promote her. But that jezebel that's in your church, that one that's teaching and seducing and doing the wrong thing. You guys have permitted her to carry on this false doctrine. Now, I want you to look at her. The Bible says you've allowed that woman Jezebel, that calls herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants to commit fornication. She said this person is teaching and seducing my servants, the people in my church, to commit fornication. Now, I want you to pay attention here. This woman was teaching and seducing and encouraging folks in the church for religious purposes to commit fornication. Now, there's going to be in these churches a very specific emphasis. Last week, in the church we talked about, in the church at Smyrna, there were issues. No, it wasn't Smyrna. Pergamos, the church at Pergamos. In the church of Pergamos, the Lord deals very specifically with sexual sin inside the church. And we come here now to Thyatira, and the Lord is going to deal very specifically with sexual sin inside the church at Thyatira. Now, look, it's not a comfortable subject to talk about. I remember as a child when it was very, uh, uh, it was very kind of like shameful to say the word pregnant in a crowd. And, uh, I mean, these are things that these are like the unspeakable. But I want you to know something, God in his word... Let's us know that in churches, that one of the great temptations and one of the things that the devil wants to use to destroy the church and the effectiveness of the church and the work of the church is sexual perversion and the acceptance of sexual perversion in the church. Look, God has a beautiful design. And God's design for marriage and sexuality is beautiful and perfect and wonderful. And when it's experienced God's way, it's fabulous. And not only does it help you, it helps the church, it helps the cause of Christ, it helps the community. But when sexual things are perverted and tolerated in the church and among the church, that I want you to know that it produces a situation where the devil gains a stronghold. Now, the Lord says, look, you've, you're working, you're faithful, you love people but I have something against you. You've let this Jezebel woman come and teach you and seduce you to commit fornication. Not only did they permit it, but they came to a place where they weren't only permitting sexual perversion, they were encouraging sexual perversion as some rite of passage, encouraging some sexual perversion as some, uh, some way of stating that we actually do love people. They're Encouraging sexual perversion to prove to a community that, that they were the most accepting, loving, most Jesus-like church. And Jesus sends a message from heaven and says, hey, listen, Thyatira. The fornication that they're teaching and including in your church is the thing that the devil's going to use to destroy you and cause your children to die. He says, your sin is that you're allowing it to be taught and accepted and promoted that God's form of sexuality and God's rules around sexuality are not wrong or relevant, are not right or relevant anymore. And that's the thing that I have against the church at Thyatira. The Bible continues their sin. I want you to see what the Lord did for this Jezebel. Jezebel. Verse 21. Actually, let me, let me say, make one more statement here about verse 20. She's, the Bible says that she calls herself a prophet to teach and seduce my servants, to commit fornication, and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. Now, I want you to understand something. Sexual perversion and Satanism are connected in so many ways. There's another place in this, in this text that I want you to see. We're going to come to it again, but it's in verse number 24. Verse number 24, look at what it says here. Unto you I say and unto the rest in Thyatira, as many as have not this doctrine, and which have not known the depths of Satan. The Lord says what the church at Thyatira is accepting, this doctrine of the, of Jezebel, It is the it is the depths of Satan. Can you imagine that? Everybody wants to call it love, free love, 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 love. The Bible says it's the depths of Satan. Now, I love the people that have fallen prey to the depths of Satan, but I'm not going to be guilty of welcoming. I won't say that wrong. They're welcome to hear the gospel. They're welcome to to get help, but I will not... Tolerate and accept that as righteous and holy and okay with God because God says it's not. God says it's the depths of Satan. And the sad thing is when you watch people fall into deep sexual perversion, the thing that you'll notice is that they become blank. They don't even see how bad they are. They can't see the sin. It's a deceiver. It's, it's a, it's a blinder. It's something that sears the conscience of a man. And the church at Thyatira, they were rich in love and works and good deeds. And they loved people and welcomed people and worked hard. But the church at Thyatira... God says, You've welcomed this teacher and this teaching and this doctrine, and you've welcomed the depths of Satan into your bosom. Be warned. You can't tolerate what God calls intolerable their sin. The Bible continues, verse number 21 I gave her space to repent of her fornication. You see that? I gave her space. I love this about God. And this is the thing that we need to remember. Jesus loves all people. Jesus died on the cross for all people. I love this truth in this passage of Scripture. I gave her space to repent. Did God hate Jezebel? No. Did God design Jezebel for hell? No. No. The Lord Jesus gave her a chance, a space, a time, an opportunity to repent. The Bible says in verse number 22, 21, and she repented not. Oh, how sad it is. She repented not. She repented not. And I think I'll stop there. I want to preach the rest of it, but it would take me about 30 minutes, and these kids downstairs are going to go nuts. And I don't want to... Rush because the church at Thyatira, part two, is so important. Do you see the relevance as we bring this to a conclusion? Do you see the relevance of Revelation 2 18 to 29 to the moment which we live? Folks, I want you to know something. I love being loving, I love working for the cause of Christ, I love doing the work of the church, I love seeing. People come, and I love investing in the lives of people. But when the church, when the church tolerates what God calls intolerable, we do not help anybody. As a matter of fact, we displease the Lord. We displease the Lord, and we lose our function and purpose, our relevance, in the work that God's given us to do. May Lord help us, Part one, part two next Wednesday night. Let's pray.